There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk The Go Radio Business Show with Sir Tom Hunter and Lord Willie Hawkey. I see that our friend at Scottish Enterprise, Adrian Gillespie, has uh-huh. announced this week that Scottish Enterprise have invested over £2 million across our universities in Scotland for R&D. This can only be good news. Of course we can do more and we should do more, but let's call it for what it is, well done. With Workflow Solutions. Good morning, Sam. Morning, Willie. What have you been up to this week? Well, Willie, I've got to tell you a wee story. Normally, you're the storyteller. But I had a most amazing afternoon spent with a friend of the show, Professor Sir Jim MacDonald from Strathclyde. And um, he's been trying to get me out to this place called the National Manufacturing Institute for Scotland. And um, out by Glasgow Airport. It's on the other side of the airport there, Willie. Yeah, I know where it is. And it's, it's one of Scotland's hidden gems. I feel this show just tells the stories that have never been told. But Jim got me out there and I met some amazing people led round by Stephen there, who said he listens to the show. Keith was there. And, I mean, there was people from Formula One. There was engineers, you know, world-class engineers there, Willie. And I've, I've tried to get it into as small a segment as I can, but just... First of all, you need to go. You be an engineer, you'll get it more than I got it. But Jim was telling me, this is where they're working out where Scotland can lead the world. And working with companies, they come there and they bring innovation to manufacturing. And so just here's just some of the stuff that's going on in our back door here. So they reckon... Renewable energy, Scotland can be world-leading, which we've, we've said. Yep. They're saying it's going to be in floating offshore wind because the UK missed the wind turbine revolution, really, and we mustn't miss the renewable energy with the floating offshore wind. They talked about skills, and, well, they reckon if we can get this right there would be jobs for 40,000 welders. Mm. Imagine that. Wow. If we could get this supply chain right, we've always talked about it, in renewable energy, but we need to skill up. We need our colleges, we need our schools, talking about what's there, and 40,000 welders could be employed. They then talked about recycling of composite materials. They're working with global giants like Boeing, and really bringing the innovation to these sectors. So Boeing would go there and say, this is our challenge, can you help us? And there's the brilliant minds that sit there come up with it. The other big thing that's going on there is remanufacturing, trying to get to to net zero by taking the materials that are here today, but either remanufacturing them into something else or making them better for what they did in the first place. And the AFRC, which we also visited, is leading the world in this area. Our guest last week talked about space. Glasgow 
leading satellite manufacturer outside of the USA. So the innovation for satellites is going on there. They've got stuff going on in affordable housing, close to both our hearts. Automation, robotics, industry 4.0, AI. It's all happening in Renfrew, Willie. So well done to Jim, Stephen, Keith and the team out there. And But we need to join it up, Willie. We need the joined up thinking we need the government in there just saying right if this is 40,000 welders how are we going to do it but I must say I was blown away well I haven't I know about the facility obviously I've been working with Jim and his team in our housing project for the past two and a half years and hopefully we're going to get more involved shortly but I will certainly visit the facility it sounds amazing it's interesting that um in the past couple of years when I've been involved in the housing projects, when I thought I knew everything, in the last 12 weeks, I'm actually going to discard everything I've learned in the last 18 months <laughs> because of what I've learned. And some of the things I've learned, and I'm, I'm going to introduce Professor Sir Jim McDonald to this in the next few weeks, we hear a lot about the Scandinavian manufacturers and what they're doing in relation to sustainability. Right. And uh, I got a visit from a Scottish gentleman called uh, Dr. Dr. Anthony Greer, uh -huh. who has been involved with the Swiss called Tallow, Ye Tallow, I think, which in Finnish's house. Right. right? And they've built about 40,000, uh, you know, um, modular homes in Finland, right? Uh -huh. Now, when you hear modular homes, when you go and see the homes, they just look like a normal built yeah. home. And um, he came to see me. And uh, he, I think, has had the right for the go-ahead to try and bring this in, into the UK. And I think they've, put, they've built 100 houses in the UK. Okay. Right? So um, he came to see me and he's maybe looking at potentially setting up a manufacturing facility in Scotland, which I thought was great. Right. I introduced him to Scottish Enterprise and I helped introduce him to Willie, our friend Willie Watt at SNIB. Yeah. So it's NIB. And hopefully that they'll go on and we can build this new facility. But what was amazing was that um, he showed me a video of them building the houses uh, down south uh -huh. in Basingstoke and some other areas, right? And it's a time-lapse video, right? So they've put a camera up and they've, 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 they've timed over what happens in 10 days in about two and a half minutes, okay? right? And I was blown away, right? So basically... In a good way. Oh, yeah. And a concrete <laughs> base, if, if, if you had a concrete base... In 10 days, they came and built six semi-detached villas. Wow. In 10 days, right? Okay. And they told me that that they can build a 1,400-square-foot villa. If the foundation is ready, they can come and do that in a day and a half. Wow. Right? Wind and water tight in a day and a half, and I was blown away. Right. right? Okay. So I was blown away for about two days when I phoned two guys that I know up in Dundee, Right. Um, Eddie Whiteman, right, and, and his uh, financial partner, and they uh, up at Tayside Homes, right? And I'd been to see them before, and they build quality homes up in the Dundee area. Okay. Quality homes, but they build them for sale. But I was very impressed by the, the quality and how they've absolutely got it nailed down in relation to costings right. and delivery, right? So I thought, right, I'd arranged for Eddie and his party to come down to see me, right, Mike? And I thought, I'm going to show off. I'm going to show them the video for Tallow, right? And they've got a small manufacturing facility up in Dundee where they do what Tallow do in a smaller basis, right? So they right. maybe build 50 homes a year, 
Okay. Okay. So I'll wait, I'll bring them in, how's it doing? Give them a wee cup of tea and I say, wait till you see this, right? I said, this is what you're doing, Dundee, but wait till you see what these guys are doing, right? And I say, look, from a concrete base, these guys build a wind uh, and water tight house, everything, in a day and a half. Uh What about that? So we did that in eight hours. <laughs> eight hours. And that's happening right. in Dundee. It's happening in Dundee, right? Wow. It says not eight hours, five minutes, eight hours. Right. So what I've learned in the past 12 weeks is, is changed my whole thinking. Okay. So I was wanting to go about building apartments and because of the volume, because of, you know the, the, the land, the requirement for land, we get more volume. And I have to say to you now that I'm actually going to change tact and I'm actually going to try and build more houses. So I want to build villas, you know, free apartment, uh, 1,400 square foot, big homes for people. And hopefully that if we can help Tallow get the manufacturing, we get Eddie and the guys from Tayside down to help us, I think that we could absolutely disrupt the housing market. So, so why don't we try it at Winchborough, Willie? Right. So why what we're going to do is get together here. So in our in our next development, I'm, I want to get the guys for Strathclyde because I want because what I want to do is you don't believe it. I want to introduce Six Sigma Plus. Right. So we want to be really scientific at how we go about building houses. Okay. This is how we get the quality up and the cost down. But I've been absolutely blown away with what I've learned in the past 12 weeks. Well, if you introduce them to me, yeah. we've we've got a lot of land at Winsprat yeah. and we're we are looking to come up with yeah. innovative new yeah. ways because the demand is there, yeah. really. Big shout out as well to Paul McLaren, the housing minister, who I believe is coming to visit me next week to find out what we're doing. So the government are, are listening. So so well done to them. The government's listening, Willie. Yeah, well, we'll, <laughs> we'll see. will never cease. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> what else? What else is happening? Well, Obviously, let's start with inflation. There was good news in inflation. I, I'm, you might be taking me for my dinner um, yeah. and we'll go for a slap up at the Blue Lagoon in Glasgow. I was in there on Tuesday Why getting a bag there? of chips. Oh, good man, good man. So inflation in October is down to 4.6%, down from 67 in September. Um, Rishi Sunak said he would half it. He's looks as if he's going to do that. Yeah. And already <laughs> some great minds are saying, oh, there might be some interest rate cuts and their economists are making predictions and remember that economists predicted nine out of the last three recessions. <laughs> but anyway, they are saying that interest rates might go from today's 5.25 to about 4.65 by the end of 24. I don't know about that. Trying to predict the future is difficult. But yeah. I think we've got to say, okay, that's good. Inflation's coming down. But I really do feel a tightening up of the economy. I feel a lot of business people speak to me and say, look, it's just getting tougher. And um, this is the lag between putting up interest rates and it hitting the real economy. We talk we talk about it every week. So I don't know if your travels, Willie, you're, you're hearing, but I'm hearing, you know, people are saying, right, we're battening down the hatches here. Yeah, well, first, hands up and say I was wrong, right? I did not think that... <laughs> That's they, a first for the Go Radio right? Business Show. I did not show. think that they would get the did, interest rate... Did we uh, capture sorry. that, Kev? Did we get it? <laughs> I did not think they would get the inflation rate below five before December, so I was six weeks out. But uh, but well done, and this can only help. And all of this, you know, helps in business terms. And I think you're right. I don't think there's going to be 
the, the correlation that we had with interest rates going up, with inflation going up as, as it heads down. And I think that um, we'll, be, we'll be lucky if interest rates go down. But it's interesting to see that UBS this week, you know, are, are talking about dramatically reducing, you know, their rate, which would be absolutely brilliant. And uh, But I think that on inflation, for the listeners... Most of this is due to, to fuel prices, energy right? prices, energy prices right? And it's all about the still the prices of everyday life are going up in some instances. So this is not going to trickle down, you know, to the to the consumer as fast as people think. It's not going to make a huge difference. Although the oil prices are going down, then the prices of consumables, in some cases, are still going up. Right. Good. And there's some more good news, Willie. This is a good news. Go to a real business show this morning. From our friends at Scottish Enterprise, Adrian and Willie Mackey there, they've joined forces with Innovate UK to deliver a new Launchpad programme. And it's going to offer packages ranging from 25,000 right up to a million, aimed specifically at businesses of all sizes in the bio-based manufacturing sector. So the applicants have have could get up to £100,000 fully funded. So go on the website if you're in that space because the money's there waiting for you to take it. So another good bit of innovation there. Yeah, following on from what we heard last week about the money that they're ploughing into R&D across the, the universities, it's, yeah. it's amazing. Another step in the right direction. It's good. So where have you been in your travels? You, you've been meeting folk for Dundee. I've been out in Renfrew. Anything else interesting this well, week? Well, I was a wee bit disappointed that I didn't get an invite to President Z's visit to San Francisco with, with the president. But, but the reason why I bring that up, which is really interesting, this is the first visit in a long time, right? And who did Mr Biden fill the room with? Business people. He not did, politicians. Yes, they did. Anybody who was everybody, right, was at that summit, and that can only be good. But it was interesting when you watched the speech from President Z that, you know, they, they can't stop being political, right? <laughs> and when he said that, you know, that uh, China will never try in any way to interfere, <laughs> right, with um, business or politics within the US. Do we believe uh, him, Willie? Uh, well, what he said was he was making a barb point where he was saying, and I hope that the US reciprocate. <laughs> so, uh, no, it boys way, I don't believe him. I absolutely don't believe him. So, I, I've been to San Francisco many times when we had business there, and, you know, it's... A great city, it's an amazing city, but it's got a huge homeless problem, Willie. Yes. And um, I know a lot of the tech entrepreneurs have been trying to help because they're seeing great wealth and great poverty side by side. But for the visit by the Chinese Premier, the place got tidied up. Yeah. And I just wonder... Could they tidy it up for the poor people who are sleeping in the streets and could they help them in the long term, not just spruce it up for a Chinese visit? Oh, no. Some of the, the situation in, in the West Coast is shocking. No, even now in LA, yeah. no, in the homeless situation, uh, it's. I don't know what they do about it, but it's, it's, it's frightening. i seen a film crew filming and the guy said, this is happening real live. I'm now videoing these houses here at $25 million each. Right, he's on one of the boulevards in LA. He goes, and all I'm doing is turning round with the camera. And I turned around the camera and he was all these people living in tents. 
Aye. Right, shocking, absolutely shocking. So hopefully, you don't know that someone is looking at it. But that's been a major problem there for a long, long time. It has. And on your point about what's my feeling, what am I about the whole economy together? Um, it's I'm 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 not getting vibes that are that are, that are warming my heart. You know, I'm talking to too many people, especially in the construction industry, where there's cutbacks, there's sites getting closed down, there's all sorts of stuff. I'm not talking to anybody at all. You made the point last week. Not everybody is struggling no. in the hospitality sector, but I would say yeah, it's most. Really? It's most, it's right. most. And I'm, I can only talk here about what I know in the West. And and I don't know what kind of effect that's having on business now. I see that the, the new ULS charges raked in £500,000. Right. What? At £500,000. in Glasgow? In Glasgow Half alone. A million since pounds? it started. Since it started. In fines? In fines, in the first quarter. Right. Holy so that's going to be two million pound a year if it goes at that rate, right? Over twelve months. So I, that, that's two million pound that didn't get spent in the shops. You you always said to me at the beginning of this that this was a tax on the poor folk. Absolutely. Do, do you still hundred percent? This is a tax on poor folk, right? If you, you know, I'm I'm all you know me. I'm trying to do everything I can to get sustainable. You know, wanting the whole green agenda. We're just rushing and making decisions, right? That are you know. You see this week, we've been happening on about it, but it now looks like... I'm going to make a prediction. Within months now, the UK government are going to stop talking about heat pumps. Right, OK? <laughs> well, I'm I, I making a prediction you won't stop yes. talking about heat no, pumps. No, I'll stop talking about it when the government <laughs> stop promoting them, right? So I just wonder. But I think that, no, that hopefully... And I'm going to say this again, Tom, that we really need to look at all the things that have made us change our working ways after COVID and yep. during COVID. And, you know, I think we need to encourage more working from the office. We need to get the we need to get that daytime economy going in the city centre. Yeah. And also I think that, you know, I've said it before, everything in my business is about the culture. And I don't know how people pick up on the culture if they're not in the office. I would agree with that, Willie. Yeah. And I know it's the business show, but you and I Take an interest, and we were talking about tents. So, Suella Braverman, yeah. who said it was a lifestyle choice when people put up a tent. I mean, uh, my God. Um, she's gone. Yeah. And a bit of a shock. Yeah. Old David Brexit Cameron comes back in as foreign secretary. A, yeah. a good move, sitting in the Labour benches with you? Well, <laughs> I, it wouldn't be sitting on the Labour benches with me, you know, but, but what I would say on that is, um, and I think we should we should call this out, we, we did actually get a letter from a listener who thought that the show was going a bit political. Oh, did right? they? And I've got to say to him that I couldn't, I'm sorry I couldn't make out his name must have been a Mr Richards or a Mr Rowland, whatever, he didn't leave his address and I wrote back to him. But what I would say to him is, I listened back to that show and it was a bit political. Oh, it, well, it, it was, I. But, right. but on that, so when we talk about David Cameron, I'd like to talk about business in relation to David okay. Cameron. And there's no doubt that the scandal surrounding David Cameron with the Greenshill debacle, <laughs> right, and all the other things after it, I was really... I, I'll tell you one thing I was really impressed about, right? In politics, it must have been the best-kept secret in 25 years. Did when you I, hear the BBC I, guy I going... You might have heard this guy, the oh two people goodness. in Sky, they were laughing. <laughs> <laughs> they went, oh, and here is the here is a Range Rover drilling, and the door is opening, and who's getting out? Oh my! 
<laughs> so I think that we were a surprise, but but obviously what you see is happening here, and what kind of you know how does this affect business? Yep. Well, obviously David Cameron was a big part of Brexit, which is a huge or the failure of remaining yeah. in the, in the EU, right? So I I think that uh, it'll be interesting to see. It was great to see what the headline was, and one of the nationals was um, Suella binned Dave recycled. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's see. I mean, he's he's hit the ground running. He's already been in the Ukraine. Yeah. And um, maybe, because he was not for taking us out um, of Europe, maybe his relations in Europe will help us build some of these bridges. Some of those bridges are getting rebuilt, yeah. Willie. But um, yes, it was a bit of a shock. Um, from a business point of view, I read the book on Greens Hill um, there's still a lot to come out. Yes. So yeah. watch this space. So to finish this segment, it's fantastic that most of the news this week has been good news. It's been good news and we've almost stayed away from politics. <laughs> Coming next, Hunter and Hockey chat to Craig Letton, CEO and owner of MRM Global. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, part of the Scottish Procurement Framework for Managed Print Solutions, available to all public sector bodies and charities. Go there are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk. The Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. This week's special guest is Craig Letton, CEO and owner of MRM Global, a marketing technology company exclusively serving the alcohol industry. Craig, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Morning, Craig. Nice to see you. Now, we know each other because you've been on the scale-up programmes, yep. so maybe we can talk a wee bit about that. But you've just flown in from Boston and where you've moved, you and your family, to take care of your business, which is, you know, with Kevin on, Kevin Doran on the other week. But um, I think your story is really going to resonate with our listeners. So where do you want to start? Let's, let's, let's start at the beginning. Okay, yep, sure. Um, so I'll give you the, the short version because we don't have a huge amount of time, but I kind of followed the, the traditional path of going to university and studying business. I'd always wanted to be in business. Uh, I'd seen my, my dad, you know, take on management roles and throughout his career. So I was like, that's what I want to do. Went to university, went into a graduate scheme for sales and marketing with Kraft Foods. Then right. went into work for Mars Foods again in sales roles. I was actually managing the Tesco account for Mars. How and, was that? Uh, stressful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was doing that at the age of 25. Right. And uh, it... It tired me out, to put it that way. Because uh, a lot of people, Willie and I know, have come through Mars. It's a, it's seemingly a great training. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, fantastic. First four years of my career at Craft and Mars, brilliant training ground. Right. Absolutely. But um, just through a bit of misfortune, I ended up kind of running their biggest account uh, at the age of 25 with wow. very little experience. <laughs> so after a year of doing that, I was thoroughly burnt out. So me and my wife actually went off to Patagonia and spent three months backpacking around the wilderness. Patagonia? Patagonia, wow. yeah. And uh, sort of reset myself and built myself back up again. And the opportunity came to take over the family business. 
which was never my plan. So Not, what was the family business then? So my mum and dad had set up a digital printing business in 2001 right. in Alva. And uh, the real, the, they, he'd had a corporate career his whole life and decided for some crazy reason to decide to do his own business. Right. So him and his, my mum built a digital printing business, which really was the idea of combining uh, two brand new technologies, which was digital printing and the web which right. in 2001 was relatively new. So they ran that for, for 10 years, and then they wanted to retire, about 55, to go and sail around the world. All right, okay. Uh, which they're still doing today. All right. Um, so I went sailing with them pretty recently. Um, they're actually on their way to Bermuda right now. That um, sounds all right, Willie. <laughs> yeah. I hope they miss it at the triangle. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so they were looking for someone to take over the business. I needed a job. The two things came together. So I ended up taking over the family business right. uh, at the age of 26. Um, spent two years kind of fixing it up. And after that two year period, I said to mom and dad, I think you should probably sell this, right? Try and get a return on your investment. Uh, we tried to sell it, we couldn't for a number of reasons. So I said, well, why don't I buy it? Right. So I went to the bank and got some money from the bank and we used that and the profits within the business to buy out my own parents. Okay, interesting, right. Um, and then I turned the business on its head. Um, so I shut down the printing operation and right. sold everything all, all down to the fire extinguishers and built a software development team in Edinburgh. So, so what, that's quite a jump. Let's yeah. just yeah. give us a wee <laughs> bit of an insight in that. Craig, what you, made you make that decision? Your sound is so matter of fact, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, looking back, it was a big decision, but I kind of realized you couldn't do manufacturing and technology together well. You could really only do one or the other. Investing in technology is incredibly expensive. Yeah. And we were having to split our, our money, our very limited resources between technology and print equipment. Right. And, uh, you know, it didn't take a genius to work out which one was probably going to grow faster. And on the print side, we were, it was a very small operation. It was, um, and when I went, I went to visit some other print operations, some in Glasgow, actually, and some down south. And then you, when you see it done at scale, you're like, wow, okay, right. This is, this is the big time. So I realized that we were neither big enough to, to be kind of profitable or economical at scale, um, but we also weren't a specialist either. We were just somewhere in the middle. Right. So um, when I looked at the cost of a new press and I looked at the, the idea of outsourcing everything, uh, it ended up becoming a no-brainer, to be honest. Um, so yeah, I sold everything and outsourced all of our production. Um, right. So we went, f which actually worked out brilliantly because um, we were then started going international. Uh -huh. And had we been producing out of Scotland, we'd have been shipping all over the all over the world, which wouldn't have been cost effective. Then Brexit came along, uh -huh. which would have canned that. <laughs> so now having a what we have essentially a global uh, print partner network that allows us to set up anywhere. So oh, we I see. so we trade in fifty countries now. Wow! Wow! There's no way we could have done that if we'd stayed in producing in house. Did you see that? Or were you getting educated along the way? Um, Tell the truth now. <laughs> a, a wee bit of both. I, I knew, obviously I didn't foresee Brexit uh, turning out that way, but um, I knew that we couldn't grow the business internationally producing in Scotland. Right. It just didn't make sense. So, um, And I knew we couldn't invest in technology if we had to keep splitting our money. So took the decision to shut that down and focus purely on the software development piece. And when I looked at what my parents were doing, they were they had done lots of different things for different people. We worked across multiple different sectors. We had lots of different products and services. Um, but there was one in particular that solved the problem I'd seen at Kraft, which is helping big brands support independent customers with marketing that's 
customized for their accounts, has their logo, their products, their pricing, but also features their brands and is within the brand guidelines. And I'd experienced that as a sales rep in the hospitality industry for craft. And it was a total pain. It was extremely slow, very inefficient, lots of back and forth. And at the time, I remember thinking there must be a better way to do this. And then when I was working in my mom and dad's business, I actually identified they'd built a product for a wine distributor that solved that exact problem. Uh And I thought, so I spent a bit of time with those customers and realized that it was adding a ton of value. So you were solving someone else's problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And what I really identified was that problem was big enough and painful enough that they would pay us to solve it and actually want to solve that on a global scale. Wow. So you've seen a small niche, something that your mum and dad had got right, Mm -hmm. and you looked at that and thought, there could be a potential large market for this, just in this one, concentrating this one thing. That's it. Yeah, simple as that, really. And at the time, we were speaking to Diageo, the biggest spirits brand in the world. And they basically said, if you can build this, we will use this all over the world. Yeah. And did it help you being in Scotland to get to Diageo, or...? Was it just uh, not your, nec- no, your not charm? Nec- yeah, yeah. I mean, the funny thing is we don't actually have any customers at headquarters in Scotland. No? Uh, yeah. Same as me. Most of our businesses outside of, of Scotland. So we started in the UK, then we went across Europe with Bacardi and Diageo. So once we built the product, we then went took it to market, transitioned our existing customers over to the new product, then went out selling. So we sold it into people like Pernod Ricard, Carlsberg, Molson Coors, and went right across Europe. So I think we did about 16 countries in 18 months. Wow. And just from there, really, since we built the product and we, we just went selling it, we've just been on a tear ever since. So the business is now 12 times the size it was when I bought it. Wow. Um, in terms of revenue. So um, what year was that again you bought it? So I bought it in, we finished the payment, the kind of process in about 2016. Yeah. I went live with the product in 2017. Um, so really over the, from 2017 till yeah. now, the business is just... Fantastic. Growing Six years is 12 times the size. That's some yeah. growth. And two wow. years of that was COVID. Yeah. And as you can imagine, for our industry, that was tough. Yeah. I bet you. Yeah. So why have you gone to take your family, mm-hmm. big step, from Scotland to Boston? So why have you did that? Is that a business reason? Uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, so about three years ago, during the, the height of the pandemic, where our business was really getting a hammering, um, I, through a very serendipitous kind of moment, actually through a podcast, believe it or not, right? and a couple sort of degrees of connection, I got uh, an email from a chap at the largest wine and spirits distributor in the world. Um, so how did he find you? <laughs> that's a good story in itself. But the, the short version is basically, I was listening to a podcast about the alcohol industry on the way home from work one day. Right. And when I got home and I was working out in my garage, I saw that the guy, the host of the podcast had actually been on my LinkedIn page. And I thought, that's a bit weird. How did he know I was listening? Anyway, I reached out to him and messaged him and said, you know, really enjoyed the podcast. Um, uh, you know, happy to, to come on any time. I thought it'd be a good marketing <laughs> opportunity. And he came back and said, look, Craig, I'd love you to help me with some research I'm doing in Europe. So we helped him out with that. Um, I kind of spent a couple hours with him telling him pretty much everything I knew, connected him with a few of our customers. And, uh, and when we started kind of trying to break into the US market, he connected me with a bunch of different people. Right. We ended up interviewing one of them for a role. Uh, we didn't actually take him on, but a month later, he turned up at the biggest distributor in the world. <laughs> and it just so <laughs> happens that they were looking for a technology just like ours. Wow. So I got an email um, from this chap called Mark, who happens to be the son of the CEO. So <laughs> it's a family-owned business. There's, it marks the third generation. Uh, his dad, Wayne, is the CEO of the company. His father, Harvey, is the uh, the founder. Right. Um, and... 
you, you know, emailed me out of the blue and said, we're looking for you at something like this. And, uh, and that then kickstarted a three year process, three years and one week. It went from that initial conversation to signing a contract with the biggest wine and spirits distributor in America and, and probably the world, as far as I'm aware. So for right. us, it was the biggest customer we could possibly land. Wow. People say it's by chance, but it's yeah. by you being out there and keeping in touch with the market and, you know, getting yourself immersed in your business. Yeah, yeah, you got to make these opportunities. And I remember when that email came through, I mean, it was a really dark period f for our business. You know, we were having to let people go and furlough people and all that kind of stuff because our, our sales went to zero, right? Went our, to zero. Our, our business just stopped overnight. The hospitality industry was closed. And what do you think? Obviously, you're 12 times the size of us, and you're obviously just, you know, you've now landed in, in Boston recently. Mm -hmm. What do you think the potential now is we're having this, I'm going to call it collaboration? Yeah. Uh, right, with, uh, with the largest. Yeah, well, it very much is a partnership. So, um, so that account will actually quadruple our business yeah. in the next two years. Wow. Just that one account. Right. <laughs> so, um, for our listeners, I just have to say that. There is nothing better in business than a partnership. Yeah. Right. Yeah, when I mean, you when you work all your life as a supplier, the way that, that everything changed for us with Asda, with Walmart. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you believe that you're in a true partnership, a lot of people, you know, use the phrase and it's not, but you always know that when you're in a real partnership, when the people always treat you hundred percent the way they should know correctly, that they're not beating you up every day and and you agree that it's your problem, you know, combined. Yeah. It's not your problem, it's their problem. And that's that's the way that we work. So I would say to you that it's absolutely fantastic that that you I think that you'll be spot on with the potential of your growth if you're in a real true partnership. Yeah, I definitely feel like we have that. My wife and I were down in Florida having dinner with with Mark and his wife just a few weeks ago. Yeah. And uh yeah, they've been really supportive. You know, it was a big risk for them to to move away from a vendor they'd used for fifteen years. Wow. That every other uh, person in the industry uses to come yeah. and work with a company from Scotland yeah. who never really operated at scale in the US. Yeah. So it was a big risk for them to take. Yeah. But partnering together, we you know we've managed to make it work. We've now rolled out across their central region, which makes up fifty percent of their business. Yeah. So we're we're live right now as we speak. Wow. Um, the orders are coming in, which is yeah. brilliant because after three years you're kind of crossing <laughs> your fingers. Yeah. Um, but what it's now doing is opening up loads of opportunity for us in the US because yeah. we've landed that kind of big beachhead customer. So right, we're yeah. getting a lot of um, interest from suppliers, wine, spirit, beer suppliers, distributors, and we're now looking at some other verticals as well, yeah. things like soft drinks, food So service. do you still have office in Scotland? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. We have uh, an office in Edinburgh. Right. And the majority of our team are here, and we plan to keep that. So right. our software development, all of our central kind of head office functions are going to stay in Scotland. So the US at the moment is more of a sales and, and marketing yeah. function, really. I see, yeah. Um, but you felt... You had to lead that and give your customer confidence. Look, I'm I'm moving to America with my family. You've got confidence in me. Yeah, yeah. That, that they didn't. They, I remember having the conversation when they said, "Look, it's not a, a prerequisite. You don't need to do that." But yeah. I felt compelled to do it, and it's been paid off massively. You yeah. know, like I can take opportunities. Last week I was speaking at a conference in St. Louis. Right. You know, I kind of went at the last minute. Took a, it's a three-hour flight. You know, I wouldn't have taken that opportunity if I was here. No, you know? I, I, I can tell you just now, it would be the greatest decision you ever made in your life. Wow. I'll guarantee you there's nothing better than dealing with potentially someone who's going to be a big, big customer when you're dealing with the principal, right? So yeah. you're cutting out the commercial department, <laughs> the tendering department, 
and and I can say to you that and when we went from being a contractor to going into a partnership with our client away back in 1997, within six years, Craig, we went from a £6 million turnover to a £300 million, oh, wow. just with that customer, <laughs> just with that customer. And that was the foundation. So it's fantastic that you've got that relationship and no doubt that the big decision you make, I'll guarantee you, getting closer to that customer and the potential for that, I don't need to tell you, you worked it out yourself, but I, I'm telling you that will pay huge dividends. Yeah. You'll be on here in 10 years <laughs> talking about how global domination and what will be brilliant for you is, is if they end up in the next 45 years saying, listen, we're growing you too much, we'd need to buy you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see, we'll see. You've never thought about that, okay. yeah. No. So, yeah. So tell us a bit about, you know, how you've helped. Give a plug for Scale Up Scotland. Come on now. Yeah, well, I mean, I've been a, a huge beneficiary of Scale Up Scotland. So I was in the first ever cohort uh, back at the start. Um, I'm a big, I mean, I'd describe myself as a bit of a business nerd. I'm always listening to podcasts sure. and books. Um, and for me, so the opportunity to go and go on Scale Up Scotland, learn from the best and be part of a cohort of some of the best companies in Scotland. I mean, it's like my dream come true. <laughs> so to now have done it twice. So I'm now on Scale Up 2.0. Yep. It's a different cohort, um, exposed to different businesses. And, uh, you know, it's been brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So we're, we're out recruiting for Scale Up 2.0 um, just now. It's open. It's on our website. Um, so... Do my marketing for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously the, the speakers are brilliant and the opportunity to spend time with yourself. And um, We've had lunch and dinner several times and just hearing some of the stories, even from yourself about, you know, when you bought, um, was it Olympus? Olympus, That was, yeah. I think, 10 times the size of your business. For me, like that's like, that gives me the inspiration to go, actually, you know what, we'll go take on a huge customer, right? We'll go <laughs> on to the US, right? We'll think big, you know? So just hearing stories like that inspires you and motivates you. And then hearing from people that have been there, seen it, done it, you know, you can learn from their mistakes and their successes. And then the big one is the cohort. So yeah. uh, I've now got two cohorts of, of uh, kind of founders and CEOs, which is phenomenal. And, you know, we had a, a situation the other day, we had a wee problem with the in the business. So I went on to my cohort, put the question out there on the WhatsApp chat. Right. Uh, a chap called Callum Bastock from CCL. Callum, yep. We had a call. He helped me out with it, gave me a couple of ideas of what we could do. I mean, that's a, that just warms my heart, Willie, because yeah. when we set it up, that's what we were thinking. Entrepreneurs, for entrepreneurs, by entrepreneurs. So who better to help you solve a problem than somebody who's been there? Yep. Yeah, but well, this is, you know, fantastic for, for anyone listening in. It's just starting, they've got a small business. Craig is an example. I mean, I was an example 30 years ago. Here's an example recently coming through the worst of it. I mean, your story's got a bit of everything. You know, there's humps and bumps. There's, <laughs> yeah. there's the, you know, but what's happened at the end of it is because of what you've done, because it, you've, you know, that you're, you're a nerd, you're in a bit business. <laughs> you, but, and everybody needs a bit of serendipity. So all of that... But the point is, is that what we've been trying to do, what you're doing is see that connectivity, see that, that you've got a, you know, that you, you've got the board you can't afford in spades. <laughs> you know, you send out a wee questionnaire for a problem you've got and right away two guys WhatsApp you back saying, look at this, look yep. at that. That's invaluable. We, we talked about it last week when, when Tom had the amazing, you know, uh, event up at Glen Eagles. Never underestimate the power of networking. Oh, yeah. Never. And if you're in business, yeah. it's it's always the tool that you can go back to to help you. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's probably one of the, the biggest things I've done, actually, is just leverage the network. We wouldn't have got into the US if it wasn't for a global Scott. 
Um, a guy called Paul Ross from Edrington. He initially got us in. So uh, he helped you. He did, yeah. Uh, right yeah. way back at the start. And then more recently, um, you guys connected me with Callum Smeaton. Who's Callum. been there, seen it, done it. So Growing Callum up. was the founder of TV Squared, really. I, I think Callum gets a mention on the show every second week. I know. Week. <laughs> and, um, but it, it was you and actually from the Hunter Foundation who said, I think this is the guy for you. So I'm, yep. I'm so glad that's worked out. Yeah, Callum's a great guy. Maybe we should get Callum on the show. <laughs> yes, yeah. we should actually. <laughs> so he's on our board now. Um, and then most recently, um, I met Mark Beaumont, uh, the, the cyclist and yep. journalist. Yeah. And, uh, Inspiring speaker, and he connected me with two guys in Boston. Did he? Uh, funnily enough, with Entrepreneurial Scotland, um, and another Scottish guy called Mark Bamforth. Yes. Um, and then he yeah. just connected me with a guy at the Boston Beer Company. Wow. So that's how these things so it's work. Working. Right. So this seven degrees of separation <laughs> is is fantastic route. Yeah. But but that just shows you what can happen. And uh, what was it like trying to convince? you know that the family were going to Boston. <laughs> <laughs> Truth right. now, come on. Yeah, I mean, we we ummed and ad for a long time, but um, we had a wee bit of a. I actually went to high school in Boston. What did uh, you? Four years. Yeah, my mum and dad moved over there, so I've I've moved around a lot, from England to Scotland to America and back again. Um, so it wasn't new to me. Uh, we had friends there. We'd been there on holiday a lot, so it wasn't like we were moving right. to the end of the earth. Um, but convincing the the hard bit was telling the kids, to be honest, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I've been that kid. I've been told that you're moving to America yeah. soon. And we're gonna have to say goodbye to you, pal. So I, I can empathize with that and, and I've been I've helped the kids. So and, and I, it wouldn't have been possible without my wife, you know. She's yeah. been massively supportive over this time and, yeah. and you know, without her we wouldn't be here. And yeah. and just as we finish up, I, I know you're a consumer of books, um, same as myself. Anything for the <laughs> listeners this morning? Yeah, I mean I could name them a hundred, but I think the one that's currently in my bag that I've been rereading for the third time is a book called No Man's Land. Um, it's no a bit of a, yeah, it's a very, uh, it's a book that's not well known, but it's about the scaling up journey. Right. Um, and that's what he's referring to in that name. And it talks about the four kind of key things that you need to get right as you go through the scaling journey. And it, it is my Bible. It's probably about 25 years old. So it's kind of out of date. Oh, but the, I'm going to order that straight away. And yeah. I've, I've yeah. not heard of that. It's one. a professor called Doug Tatum based in the US. And Doug, be, Tatum. Doug Tatum. I'm writing that down. He'd be a brilliant guy for the scale up program if we could convince him to come over. Yeah. There you go. There's another uh, tip. Uh, here we go. Right, Ewan, <laughs> get, get on that. <laughs> Craig, it's been fascinating listening to your story. Thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing it with us. And I'm sure the listeners will be wowed by it. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank yeah. you. Craig, great to hear the story and the connectivity just warms my heart that it's working. More <laughs> power to your elbow. some days I don't elbow. think it is. <laughs> but um, more power to your elbow. Keep on going, but keep coming back because we need you to share your story with others coming yeah, up yeah. that ladder. Absolutely. But um, fantastic. Brilliant. Thanks for your support. Appreciate Thank you. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, turning your paper-based processes into organised and digital workflows. Go Radio. There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitisation, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk. The Board.
future you can't afford. This is the Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. Tom, the question to the board you can't afford this week. Right. It's uh, David, he's got a small house building business. Okay. Uh, he's just outside the central belt. He's got a wee core team of about 15 and he uses subcontractors that do a lot of work with him. Yeah. Unfortunately, as we've been mentioned the last few weeks, there's a wee bit of a cooling down in the Slow sector. Down. Yep. And he's got a situation now where he might need to start being in a position. He doesn't want to give his name because obviously he doesn't want the workforce to, to start to get worried. Yes. But traditionally, you no, know, it, 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 you would just cut your workers and it's 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 weighing heavily on him, right? And he's actually thinking about, you know, maybe pivoting and, you know, try to keep the team together. Yeah. What advice would we give when you're in this situation, you know, thinking about doing a pivot? Right. So, well, I, I think if you want to lead in this one, yeah. I'll I'll put my thinking cap on while you're speaking. Okay. I would say that um, I've been in this position before many, many years ago right. with a small building company. And unfortunately, in the building industry, you've got these peaks and troughs, right? And it's really good that, that David feels as if that, you know, he's thinking this way, that he's, he's thinking it's, really, about his team. It's, it's hard, he's thinking about his team, right? But the only bit of advice I would give to him is, is that just make sure whatever, sometimes you need to make tough decisions, right? And those tough decisions mean that if you're losing two jobs, you might be protecting 13, right? So just make sure whatever way that you're going to pivot, that it's not going to be to the detriment of the whole business and maybe more jobs. So think it through whatever you think you're going to. You know, a lot of people I know in the past, they've had loyal workforce, will ask people to work for a bit less and hopefully we can make it up in the future. Yep. You know, that maybe the 15 guys that were getting overtime, they don't get overtime anymore and we can work together. So explore everything that you can so that you're not paying somebody off but at the end of the day, if you feel it's the only way you can protect your business and protect maybe the other jobs, that unfortunately you still might have to do that. I think that's really good advice, Willie. I, I wouldn't have thought of that. But um, I think as well, if you've got this great workforce, you, you as the leader of the business, you do feel that kind of paternal instinct to take care of them. And maybe there's other things they could be doing because there is a skill shortage, Willie. I mean, we talk about it all the time. Yeah. So maybe they've got to turn their hand to something else to keep it going, to keep that team together. But I do understand what you're saying. Um, sometimes there are tough decisions and if a couple of people need to go to save 13, that makes perfect sense. But but David, um, good luck. Let us know how it's going and um, let us know what you decided. And I'd also just like to add, um, look at how much you're taking yourself and if you can give up a bit of that to maybe try and carry the guys, that would be the first place I would look and if you can do that, great. But if not, just if if you're thinking about doing something, especially if you're going to pivot in business, think long and hard about what you're going to do before you do it. Good luck, Dad. Good luck. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions. Helping your business with document management, print and IT solutions. Go.